Welcome to the Performance Nutrition Podcast. Giving you the latest evidence-based research and cutting-edge insights for elite mental and physical performance. He's connecting you directly with the world's leading experts and coaches. Here's your host, Dr. Bubbs. Hey everyone, this is Season 5, Episode Number 8 of the Performance Nutrition Podcast. Fall is here, and it's that time of year, people. It's football season, and I've got a fantastic guest for you today. Dr. Matt Frakes, PhD, Director of Nutrition for Notre Dame Men's Football, is on the show. In this episode, Matt's going to share with you his background and journey to his current role, the many lessons he learned along the way working in different sports, like baseball, basketball, track and field. He'll also share his experience in working with female athletes, plant-based diets, and of course, all things football, preseason, in-season, recovery nutrition, as well as his PhD work in concussion support. Uh, This is a fantastic episode here, so definitely get your pen and papers ready. Terrific. This episode is brought to you by Athlete Evolution, performance nutrition education for strength and conditioning coaches, trainers, nutritionists, and practitioners looking to level up their performance nutrition game and make a bigger impact with their athletes and clients. We're currently onboarding the Football Performance Nutrition Course Fall 2021 group. The early bird special of 50% off is sold out, but you can still save $50 off with the code FPN50. That's $50 savings with the code FPN50. You can learn from experts in the field like course authors Pratik Patel, formerly of the New York Giants, Charles Ashford, University of North Texas, and guest speakers like Dr. Fergus Connolly, Matt Frakes, John Parenti of the Miami Dolphins, Dr. Nancy Guest, discussing plant-based nutrition for athletes, and many, many more. Nine modules, 10 guest speakers, and roundtable discussions earn CEUs with the NSCA. If you're ready to level up, join us this fall. Sale ends September 30th. Discount spaces are limited. All right, let's do this. Season five, episode number eight with Dr. Matt Frakes. Enjoy. Mr. Matt Frakes, thank you so much for for joining me today, bud. Hey, thanks, man. How you doing, Dr. Bugs? Doing all right? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, I appreciate you carving out some time uh, before things kick off uh, this year for you guys. And and maybe before we jump into things, can you give folks a little whirlwind tour of of your background and then we can uh, jump into today's conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. My name is uh, Dr. Matt Frakes. You just call me Matt. Uh, So I'm the director of sports nutrition here at University of Notre Dame. Uh, So prior to here, I I jumped through a lot of stuff. Uh, I didn't even know if I was going to become a dietitian in a sense as well. So me coming and becoming a dietitian, it's kind of boring as compared to everybody else's. So I literally just seen the word diet and dietetics. And that's what led me into picking the profession. Um, And and I told my coach, that's what I was going to go with. So I just leaned towards that and just went with that since then. Um, Played football in college, uh, American football in college. Um, was outside linebacker at that time. So um, I retired to pass in 2011. That's when I graduated uh, at Bowling Green State University with my degree in dietetics. Um, Didn't really know what I wanted to do. So then I went towards uh, personal training. So I was an assistant training manager um, at a gym that my best friend's dad owned at the time. Uh, Then was playing indoor football for a season. Um, that didn't work out. It was just time to just hang it up, retire completely as an athlete. Cause I'm not going to the NFL. I'm a subpar athlete. It is what it is. <laughs> so came to terms, um, went to get my master's and also my dietetic internship at Bowling Green State University, where I did a distance program. Um, and then at that time, then all my rotations back in Columbus, where I grew up at Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then, so once I got done with that, was a clinical dietitian and also worked as a dietitian at my private practice. So worked with uh, some elite athletes there, uh, whether it was uh, NFL athletes, NBA athletes, uh, Major League Baseball, um, had those as my personal clients. And then I seen that there was a graduate assistant position opened up at University of Mississippi to pay for the PhD. So nice. then I went to Ole Miss uh, to get my doctorate and I was a full-time dietitian for baseball and track and field. Um, as a part of my role of getting that graduate assistantship uh, to pay for that doctorate. So I did that for two years. Me and my uh, wife, well, she was my girlfriend at the time. I asked her to marry me. We found out that we were uh, pregnant shortly after. Wow. Family was growing. There you uh, go. Obviously, that, that graduate assistant stipend, that's not going to pay for. <laughs> yeah. 
and take care of her family as you wanted to. So uh, got a job as a social director at University of Louisiana, uh, was the social director there, uh, primarily did with uh, worked with uh, basketballs and golfs, and then um, also on track and field too. And then uh, found out that actually I needed to be closer to home. So Louisiana is about 15 hours from Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife is from Ohio too. So I found out my, actually after we got married, we had our wedding in Jamaica. Father had, uh, was getting ready in his latter stages of cancer. Didn't, it was just all last minute. Um, took literally just drove, just drove back to Ohio with my family. Uh, was there for my dad for that month and a half until you know I got to see him transition. Um, and then it was just time to, it was just time to get back closer to home. Worked at University of Louisville. Um, Dr. Ivy called me, the director there at the time, uh, Melissa Cross, and they both called me. Um, and it wasn't for a director role, but they said, you know, they, they understood my situation. And it was to, you know, be the full-time dietitian for both men's women's basketball at uh, University of Louisville. So, or Louisville, however people pronounce it, uh, <laughs> but it's Louisville. So I uh, was there for a year, uh, went to the, um, the Sweet 16 with the women's, with the women's team, um, the men's team. We fell short, didn't make it to the tournament, the NCAA tournament at that time. Uh, so uh, after that was, got a call from actually the uh, AD here, and then also a colleague of mine's had put my name in a hat here without me even knowing, uh, was like, hey, Franks, I know you got a background in football. I know you're leaning towards probably want to get back into American football too. Uh, so they actually got a, a position opened up here for a director role. So they called me, we had a great conversation. Um, they Then they actually called uh, once I left from the tournament and we got eliminated from Stanford at the time, uh, which that was a great experience, by the way. Um, they had itinerary from myself and also my family got us up here. We've seen the campus nice. on love with it. Um, got the position. And then now here, I'm the director here at the University <laughs> of Notre Dame. <laughs> now it's game time. Well, listen, before we jump into what's going to happen, what you're preparing for, you know, this upcoming yep. season, I mean, obviously with, with your background, having seen so many different athletes in different sports, you know, can you maybe touch on what that was like over the years of getting exposed to these different sports and, you know, maybe some of the lessons or misconceptions, things you learned along the way? Absolutely. And it was something I needed to do. Um, me having a football background, and even with having that football background and playing the game uh, from the logistics standpoint of even meeting the needs of what our athletes needs is different because I didn't have a dietitian when I played football at Bowling Green State University. It's a mid-major division one school. Didn't have a dietitian all whatsoever. So anything I did or anything that me and my teammates talked about, it was based on what I learned from uh, my general classes. So um, I basically just applied just everything just from the general conceptions as yeah. far as like what I learned in class for myself. So after, after that, and then I, when I was working with all these different sports um, and I wanted to give myself a break, I was kind of bitter of not being able to go anything with the game um, into my dreams or whatever it may be. So, and I thought of my, to myself that I needed to kind of get exposed to different sports, really get a feel for how other athletes are performing, living, and just those different settings that they're in. So that's why baseball was, uh, was a great thing to get into because I wanted to be uncomfortable and I wanted to kind of learn all these different sports too. So uh, the yeah, main thing use was- that as a jumping off point there, Matt, if I could jump right yeah, in there with, with baseball, if we start there, I mean, what were some of the things that jumped out at you there? Because obviously traditionally you haven't grown up playing baseball. I mean, that's not a sport where, you know, we're thinking too much about nutrition and, and obviously the body composition have changed over the years, obviously more athletic now. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Yeah, honestly, man, we have that, we have a conception that, <laughs> or a perception that because they are, and we were ranked very high as SEC baseball, Ole Miss baseball, oh, yeah. um, and they take baseball serious in the SEC. So with that being said, you would think that with them being at that level, especially when competing against rather than not being drafted um, in the majors um, and trying to get those athletes from there, that their nutrition, their performance, everything is, is A1, meaning that everything is just perfect. It's not it at all whatsoever. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. So trying to Still kids after all, right? <laughs> it's just, they're just kids at the end of the day. And everybody's coming from different backgrounds, different exposures to foods, uh, different limitations, rather or not they come from um, a, a great financial means and, and background where they have a little bit more exposure to uh, SEC coaches or 
um, just coaches in general that kind of guide them into eating a little bit better, not eating as much fast food, or it's just the point of where maybe that they're either one raising themselves or they just uh, come from a low social economic background and what they're used sure. to is not really nutrient dense at all whatsoever. And so um, where do you start there, Matt, when you're with, the, with those guys? Like where's, where's, where's the first level of things that you're going to layer in? How, how did you start with yep. that? Honestly, it's, it's me getting to know them on a personal level. So, nice. and I grew up in a, in a low socioeconomic background. So I kind of, I got, I know the difficulties, the adjustments and all that stuff as well uh, from personal experience. And even from today's it's still different, but just from having that, that, that feel for it, it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also come now going into where I'm able to provide a little bit more nutrient dense foods for myself and my family. Uh, be able to afford these things it's it's you can play for basically both ends of the spectrum so yeah for me myself i kind of i want to meet them where they are see where what all they know what their exposure was to even someone like myself working with uh with them on their nutrition habits uh what have they heard because nowadays they're getting information from all, all over the place so trying to see as far as okay well what what have from your point of view have worked, has worked in the past, or um, it may be just in a sense of, we need to increase their fruit and vegetable intake and start from the general basics. And some, I have some athletes to where they came in, they had a dietitian, they know their calorie needs, they know their macronutrient needs. So now it's just touching up as far as like, what we need to do supplemental wise to guide into now their academic schedule to guide into now their travel schedule and making sure that they're meeting their needs there adjusting whatever foods we need to, to make sure that they continue to develop. Body composition is also going in towards the direction we need to stay and go because now they got to adjust for the academic schedule too and trying to make sure that they're doing that as a student athlete. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, in, t- in terms of layering on those, those, you know, d- different, that foundation for them with being busy in school, obviously mm-hmm. recovery and sleep, that whole piece. I mean, um, you know, did you find yourself supporting that sort of athlete health aspect and recovery more so than sort of a specific, you know, in-game or, or training specific uh, type nutrition? Yes, yeah, a little bit of both. So obviously we have a team of we have the academic counselors, um, you know, our, our regular sports medicine staff as well, athletic training or sports medicine physicians as well, um, physical therapists, and then also you have our strength conditioning coaches here. And now we have mental performance coaches too. So working with them hand, in hand and kind of having that tight relationship with all of those different spectrums and kind of see, okay, making sure all of our conversations and what we're discussing is all aligned. And, sure. and each and each one is, is guiding towards each one's goals for that individual and for the team in a sense overall. So it's, it's more so both because not only do I have to take care of that, making sure our conversation and working with those individuals are aligned, but I still have to do my job and to make sure that we're providing them the best of what they need at the time while working with what they're being exposed to to make sure that they we meet each other in the middle for end game, pre-game, post, preseason, postseason, all the and every single aspect of those situations. 100%. And with those baseball players back in the day, what were some of the big, big uh, mistakes that you would see with guys that would be the typical things that we might see today with people? clinicians practitioners listening in uh so my, my guys then they were huge on energy drinks before i got okay. into the picture um they they definitely were were chucking down uh bangs and red bulls like it was no joke and then also it wasn't just a can in itself it was just maybe it was maybe two three yeah wow <laughs> throughout the whole entire throughout right before um and then also the the other thing was for them i just needed to get them to get their the general fruit and vegetable intake higher their yep. lean protein needs i needed to, to meet that uh which they they basically they weren't because a lot of their food was more so going to be fast food you see guys walking in with basically um rather be wendy's uh baconators or rather be wendy's breakfast as yep. well and then even from the food that they had the grill at that time at Ole Miss, you know, they, they provide a lot of great foods. So some guys, even though that we had the foods accessible to them to build a great performance plate, yeah. they still went out by themselves to get whatever they wanted. So it's yes. about working with them on those that. Habits, right, of, man? Exactly. It's tough to, tough to break those habits. Yep. And you have to work with them on that. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that's uh, and especially when they're young adults, it's just it's so much 
to be taught and to be layered in. And, you know, if we transition from that baseball group over to working in women's sport, uh, women's basketball, tell me about some of the different things that you're thinking about or having to consider when you're putting together that performance plan for, for the female basketball players. Yeah, it's for me, it was trying to learn more so from throughout the time, even in a sense of their menstrual cycles alongside with uh, how they're typically ate. They, they eat the, generally almost the same from what I was exposed to. Um, and then now trying to guide as far as like, okay, what other foods do we need to improve on and implement based upon the menstrual cycles as well uh, to make sure that they're meeting their needs, making sure they're meeting their iron needs, making sure that they're uh, meeting their calcium needs as well. Because you see as far as those type of injuries, that's more related to those suitable towards not meeting those needs there soft tissue injuries, um, being anemic. And we had those assessments done and across the board, you will see that nine out of my 13, 14 players (laughs) were were anemic or had low vitamin D levels. So trying to address that and making sure that with my female athletes, they're ensuring that we're meeting those, not just through supplementation, but exposing them to those type of foods because they're athletes at the end of the day. And they have the same background as you look in comparison to basically a male athlete um, and also a limited time frame of wanting to even have an ability to cook for themselves, uh, no matter what gender that they are. So trying to basically address that and help benefit that by educating them on what we can provide them and whatever I give them, whatever the team gives them, making sure that, okay, these are some preferences that they had listed in our initial assessments and then trying to see, okay, until we build their palates to be adjusted to having those more leaner choices and those nutrient dense choices, how can we bring in what they're used to, but in a in a in a way to, where they will choose what we want them to have as well? That's more suitable for their performance and recovery. Yeah, it's always interesting to have to sort of nudge people towards where you want to get them to and create that environment that makes it just easier to make those sort of choices and. Mm-hmm. Um, really key to be able to have access to those tests, just like you've done to be able to show athletes, isn't it? That, hey, you know, your iron levels are low or B12's low or various things to really highlight to the athlete, okay, this is why we need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm curious, you know, with those athletes and obviously plant-based diets are, are more and more popular. Uh, is that something that was, you know, potentially one of the reasons why you're seeing more anemia is there or what's, what was your experience with some of the plant-based uh, diets at uh, Louisville? I would say not at Louisville, I would say more so with my track and field athletes. Gotcha. Um, with, with my basketball athletes, I maybe only had maybe one, if that, one or two from each men's and women's team that attempted, didn't last long because they couldn't remove a lot of the, the foods that they really loved yeah. to transition to that plant base <laughs> or was yeah. using it in an incorrect way. Um, and then alongside with that, it was more so my track and field athletes at Ole Miss were more leaning towards that plant-based diet. And also I have some athletes here on the football end that's leaning towards more so of a plant-based diet. Um, so, and then it's, it's trying to make sure that we define it in a way of now we're using it as plant-based or are we doing it as, are you trying to lean towards vegetarian and vegan as well? Cause some of them they're, they're using it in correct way. Um, to where go ahead mark what you about to say something i was just gonna say i mean yeah that's getting back that idea of you know why are athletes engaging in this diet i mean it's the question around um you know is the athlete going plant-based let's say vegan to be able to increase performance to improve health they're trying to understand where the athlete's at so you know from your frame of reference how do you start to engage in those conversations because we know that athletes are people and so if my you know, girlfriend, best friend, somebody around me goes plant-based vegan, then all of a sudden tells me it's great. Hey, I might try it as well. Um, and of course we want all athletes to eat lots of plants. Um, but with that sort of conversation, if you start seeing some of those anemias or B12s, how do you start to, um, address that or interact with your athlete who's deciding to go down that path? Yep. It's, it's also about my presence. Like they have to trust me too at the end of the day and make sure that mm-hmm. I'm there and available and know who I am. Um, so even from the short times of me even being at the locations I was for maybe one year to two years, it's, it's hard to build relationships when you're there for a short amount of time, but I'm sure. someone that can build relationships fast. So that was my benefit in there. So I would say it's just more so being with them while they're doing the times that they're eating, trying to just, you know, just, just, just shooting the stuff with them, just ensuring, you know, outside of just even nutrition, building a relationship, a personal relationship with that too. And then seeing, okay, what are some things they're doing? Cause they'll tell you. Uh, once they trust you that 
what they're attempting, what they've heard from their coaches, what they've heard from their friends, from other athletes, or other institutions, or what they heard from a recent documentary or from something that they've read online. They will tell you those things as long as they trust you as well. And then they, and they see that you're not just going to basically just shoot down anything they have to say, but you're able to have that conversation with them and they can take from that conversation as well. So for me, the conversation, it was, it was very, it was very easy sitting down with them to see, okay, what they're doing first. And then when it came time to be able to, to address those needs, basically say, okay, look, I have your assessments. I have your lab values. Now, because you're doing this right here and what I've been noticing you doing, this is something we got to take in consideration and we need to address to make sure that you're performing well and that you're being, that you're able to recover at your best too. Yeah. I mean, it's so important, isn't it? I mean, anybody, whether it's an athlete or a client doesn't want to feel like they're being judged. So when you sit down and, and eat together, if you're the dietitian, sport dietitian, nutritionist, whatever, there's, if you, you know, if you're just getting to know someone and you don't have a relationship, that's a natural sort of inclination, isn't it? To sort of think that, okay, yep. this, this person's sitting down to kind of check out what I'm eating here. Um, and so, yeah, it's so important to be able to build that relationship. And again, a lot of practitioners listening in who are probably just jumping in with different teams or groups, and, you know, on the one hand, it can kind of seem obvious on how to build relationships, but on the other hand, it's, it's, it's still not that easy, right? It's, it's, it's something not that easy, has no. to come. So what, <laughs> what are some techniques or what are some strategies or what are the things that maybe you naturally do that help you to build some of those relationships? Uh, so I, I'm just myself when I first walk in. So I'm, I'm very goofy at the end of the day. Um, so I have a great way of just basically just whatever that they're discussing, seeing what they're talking about. It may be something from a movie. It may be something as far as just from everyday life. I can be like somewhat of a, um, it's still a professional line, but I can be someone like an uncle coach. <laughs> so to where, so humor's to where, great, right? Humor right, helps them, exactly. For sure. <laughs> exactly. So to kind of just break those things down there, or, or even if it's in a sense of, um, if we're making a competition where it comes to basically, okay, we have these, uh, these points are, are accrued from making the right habits, from meeting their, um, their goal needs as far as from their weights as well to make sure to see if they're consuming what they need to hydration wise, depending on how many bottles that they consume, all that stuff. So just being making a little game in that sense and building that relationship there. Like, see, I could have told you, you could have got these points for your team there, but now you're making, you're slacking and you're behind team is behind because you didn't do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So just like little things like that um, because, because they like competition, like they like games like that. And that's a, and that's a, a kudos to our, our staff or performance staff and trying to make it fun in that way um and then the other way as far as for me it's just again being personable sometimes it's not just even talking about nutrition whatsoever it may be talking yeah. about what they're doing academic wise being a student athlete from my experiences was troubling them seeing like what's going on um and, and this is still staying within my boundaries of not stepping outside of my lane when it comes to basically the social cues and the social aspects that the mental performance or uh those individuals that deal with that not stepping in on sure, toes yeah. there and staying within that lane, but it's always those intersections. And so, yeah, I mean, it's good for everyone to be able to appreciate and understand. And, you know, right. as, as you mentioned, being able to, you know, the, it's always interesting to me that even if you want to get one or two points across to an athlete, how, if you can spend most of the time talking about the things they're talking about or life or, the, or family or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, when you mention those one or two things, it's like, it's, and you have that relationship and all they get, they, they take it on board much easier than, you know, oftentimes you want to just jump right in and say, you got to eat more of this because you got to get your iron levels up or you need more of that right. because of B12. And if, if you don't have that relationship, then at first it can again feel even at these levels where, to your point, the athletes are there to perform. It's, it's not always so straightforward. And um, exactly. on, that, on that point with the, with women's performance, you know, is there any um, whether it's scenario uh, condition or, or if we go to the other side, maybe supplementation that was different with the women's teams, women, female athletes versus some of the the men that you've been working with? Yeah, so with, with my women's team, after we did our assessments, it was more so I tried to, as much as possible with them, whenever we did their menu developments and whenever we had um, anything as far as like on the road or games, as far as like trying to, trying to gauge what we need to have, their food based on the travel schedule and all that stuff. It was more so I made sure that when I had their supplement kits ready, basically because I, I control uh and intervene when they got their supplements how they got their supplements all that so to make sure the compliance was there yeah the women's sports and because my women's teams were more smaller were smaller especially basketball and i, I could afford to do so and when i traveled with them it was more so long as i had more vitamin c iron b12 
um, and then along with their with their vitamin D too. So as compared to my men's, with them, I'm supplementing more with uh, magnesium, and this is because of football, more contact magnesium, fish oil. Um, I had those conversations with them about creatine on their own because we can't give that to them. I've had those same conversations with my female athletes too for the benefits as well, especially mm-hmm. for my basketball players, um, for my hoopers, because that's that's basically what they're using as an energy source alongside with that, replenishing those needs, especially for that long season that they have and mm-hmm. those many games, two, three games in a week. Um, and alongside, you got to take consideration the travel schedule. So women athletes, it was the, again, Iron, vitamin C, B12, vitamin D, conversations with creatine. My my men's, fish oil, magnesium, <laughs> fish yeah. oil, magnesium, conversational creatine, vitamin D. And then along, for some reason with them, it was more so I had to do more with their hydration needs as compared to my women athletes. Okay. Um, and it from, from observation, when I attended both practices, it just seemed that my men, they had a lot more more sweat, they have a lot more in their sweat rate mm-hmm. as compared to my women athletes. Um, and that's just, again, from my observation. For sure, um, yeah. And, and they were also, my women's, they were a lot better on their hydration practices than my men were. <laughs> Taking consideration. <laughs> compliance a little bit better. Exactly, yeah. compliance was better. They, it was a lot more, they listened a lot more as compared to on my men's side of things, it, they didn't drink enough water um, they may have more prone to more extracurricular activities, more adult beverages, if you will. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. Hydrating for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Now, so, listen, okay. I mean, from there, if we talk, you know, we've gone baseball, we've gone to your work in, 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 in women's sport. And now obviously at Notre Dame, you guys are getting ready for a big football season. Yeah. With coming yeah. on board. What are some of the things that, you know, getting leading into even preseason that you're having to think about and, and get into place for your athletes? Yeah, see, this is year one. Um, so leaning here, the summertime, let's start with the summertime. For sure. So within within the summer, within the summer, it was a lot of changing what they were exposed to and the foods that they were had accessible to them, especially yep. coming after COVID. Because now my the, the handcuffs are a little are a little bit more flexible, they're a little bit more off. Um, and they are very excited about having me come into the picture. So it seems like appliance and things like that would have been just off the gate, just they're just ready to go and execute. 100%. And, and this team is very special because the type of athlete and players that our coaching staff recruits, especially with the rigorous academic schedule that is here, they have a definitive kind of definition of who they are, how they need to execute, and they are very coachable. They are very coachable That's down awesome. to the T. You have some guys that, that, that's still that, you know, they think their way is still great, but they still want to listen to what you have to say. So, so it's, it's BC alternative, right? <laughs> right. It beats the alternative. Cause I had the complete opposite side of the spectrum too. Yeah. So, and so in the summertime, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, no, so just, as, as you get into preseason, obviously energy expenditure is going to be at its highest. And so what yeah. are some of the things, the strategies that you've got, obviously great that you got a compliant group that you can start to implement to make sure you're, you're getting that caloric intake up. Because, you know, even with football players, when guys get tired, sometimes we don't uh, fuel as much and eat as much as we need to. Exactly. Especially in the summertime and free season, especially with the humidity here, it's been a lot more than it has been in the past okay. uh, from what everyone's telling me. So in that sense there, so with our and with our, our training sessions, our lifts, our resistance training sessions, those have been, it's, it's, it's just over and over and over again. It's not that they're beating them down to the floor, but they are, it's very challenging in mm-hmm. a sense. And they're getting the most out of their adaptation and most of the uh, trying to make sure that they are adapting to an environment that they're exposed to. And it's very hard, especially for our incoming players or those that came in early, even those that came in in the springtime early as well to adapt to this type of training environment it is very difficult and very hard. Yeah. So trying to change their nutrition habits alongside with getting them to adapt to what they're being exposed to for the training session and then having to come back for their agility slash conditioning section as well. Like you said, caloric expenditure expenditure is a lot higher at this time frame. Do you want their body composition to adjust and adapt to its peak at this time frame as well? So from what we did, we did our DEXA scans entirely to our entire team uh, yep. before we started with everything. 
then alongside with that to see what our baseline levels were, what our baseline levels were with their vitamin D, what our baseline levels were uh, with their with their omega threes as well, and then mm-hmm. what their baseline levels were for some of those that had history of anemia with their iron intake too. So in which we're going to adjust that later. But anyways, so have all those baseline measurements a change as far as what we're giving them for training table, what we're changing as far as what this in the players lounge, snacks is in the players lounge, more nutrient dense meals, more meals that are your uh, to go style or your yeah. meal prep style meals, more nutrient dense meals. And because we're in the Midwest, there's no reason for us not to use more so of our our, our local farms and our local vendors as well. 100%. And I'm big on community too. So we've been exposing them to more foods that are more nutrient dense, that is more local, that have a lot more humane practices when it comes to those farming practices too. So amazing. That's, that's great. I mean, those, those to go meals are just so key, aren't they? For guys who you need, they need to fuel up post practice, but then yes. if it's not handy if it's not just ready to eat it's amazing how even if you're young and training hard and hungry you can go five six seven hours between practice and and dinner or something and not be getting that fuel in so uh, you know that's exactly. um, so key and i imagine you guys have those you know throughout the year or did you increase them at certain times of the year yep we yep because right now we're going to increase them towards now since it's the preseason since they're here all day long nice um, nice as, and with camp um, we're starting from 745 and they don't leave here until basically like nine or some sort like that. That's traditionally how it is. It's not just what they're doing for practice, but also you have their, um, you have their, their schedules when it comes to their meetings, position coach meetings, uh, walkthroughs, um, what we're feeding them as far as like now we can feed them as far as that breakfast, lunch and dinner scenario type of situation. Whereas in the summertime, they can only have for those accounted hours, they can only have that, that one meal that we've been able to provide them. But then the snacks is going to be basically those to go style meal prep meals alongside with some breakfast sandwiches, things like that, that we give them, get the calories in, uh, get more protein in, get more carbs in, in a sense, get more. um, We're having, we're having a relationship with our pure green um, with those type of basically those juice scenarios, more fruits and vegetables around them at all times, getting into more uh, creative ways on how to put those into their bodies, more antioxidants as well. Nice. So we've been doing that, more fruits and vegetables around them. And then now that since we're in the preseason, the amount of food that we have them is unreal. So, <laughs> so it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, you have the, their lounge stocked with basically all those meals that we have scenario wise. So even if they are hungry in their meetings, they can go ahead and eat and they need to eat. Coaches already gave them the clearance to go ahead and guys got to eat and hydrate as much as possible. We changed so- out their stations around here to make sure they have um, those refillable water stations around everywhere. Also, the fridges are always having um, some type of rather it's propel or water in a sense, and we save the Gatorade for around activity and in practice and in, in practice only. So, and, and Matt, are there certain targets you have then for protein intake or carbohydrate intake for your guys? I mean, that might be de- position dependent, but are there certain general targets that you might uh, have for the players? Yep. So it's, it's all dependent on one, how they adapted and changed for the summertime on what we have for their plans accordingly, um, based upon what they need as far as uh, gram per kilogram basis of carbohydrates and proteins. And I try to meet their proteins first, yep. uh, their protein needs first, because that's always the hardest for them. Anyway, some of them, and that was the biggest thing too, we, we made it to where they were able to see what they have exposed to training table wise and on the mill and on a plan on their uh, phones and be able to kind of see when they plug these things in, yeah. they thought that they were eating enough. They weren't at they all were. whatsoever. <laughs> it's, <laughs> tough, all it, it's harder to get to those levels than people think, even athletes. Yes. Yes. And visually seeing that it was very helpful over the summertime. So now I can see that in this preseason is going to be a lot better for us um, because now that they have visually seen that, okay, what I've been eating, I've been used to eating. It was not enough. And now the days that I have ate enough, even on the days where the coach, the strength coaches, they beat us down to the ground and, and our conditioning was, 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 was almost unbearable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. My recovery to be able to handle the next bio activity was still a lot better whenever compared to the times when I did not meet those needs. And, and, and they start, and they're starting to see that. They're starting to see that one by one. So, and that's been the biggest adjustment and win I feel like so far. Is that sort of that like five, six, maybe even seven grams per kilo of carbohydrate or, uh obviously so, get position so, dependent but yep so we've been going so for our 
position players, so our defensive backs, our running backs, our receivers, uh, these individuals have all been on more so around between a, um, I would say a seven to nine gram wow, right now, yeah. because, because even in their, <laughs> even in their conditioning sessions, even in their individual sessions as well, they have a tendency of having a lot more mileage and a lot more, um, um, transitions when they are running their own situations or when they're doing some extra work on their own too. 100%. And, and I, and I adjust for that for them. Now for my linebackers or for my uh, linemen, it's just depending on the individual, anywhere between five to seven grams as far as on a carbohydrate basis. And, and timing of those, when they have the amounts they need, depending on the time they come in for the sessions that they have scheduled for their lift sessions and also for their team runs, yep. which is those conditioning slash agility sessions and planning around accordingly to make sure that they're meeting their needs but the bolus in a sense will be maybe that three to four hours prior. And if it's an early morning mm -hmm. session, then it's going to be something that's more simple that they can, uh, that they can adjust and absorb quickly. Get down. Yeah. <laughs> get exactly. down before they have to get in and lift or, or practice. Exactly, right. Exactly. 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 Right that's beforehand. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it too? Because obviously these are still kids who are growing <laughs> and I mean, yeah. they're trying to get them bigger and stronger, but they're also in terms of growth and maturation, they're still not fully developed. So the amount of caloric intake, especially in a sport like football, where you've got just the contact adding to that caloric intake, obviously having to get up to some of those big numbers, like seven, eight, nine um, grams per kilo of carbohydrate. And, and that, if we shift gears a little bit here now, it's like in season, if we talk, I know there's a lot of different variables here, but you know, as we get into, into game days, Yep. Is the focus shifting more to what we're doing sort of pregame to help support performance or um, is it halftime nutrition to maintain that performance? Is it uh, recovery? Now, I appreciate all those things are being addressed, but if you want to maybe touch on, you know, one that comes to mind would be great. Yep, absolutely. So like you said, all those things are being addressed. So, and, and we're in the planning phases right now of making sure that what we're eating, when we're eating it and what the hotels will accommodate for yeah. our our home and also our away game scenarios. So um, in a sense, it's more so of my main thing, let's let's touch on the on the days leading up to. So the pregame yep. meals and also the days leading up to. That's gonna be the more so thing that in season that I want to take care of um, for personal reasons and also for, for objective reasons for the team based upon their academic schedule, what they have to deal with because they have the mental now, uh, their mental perceptions, everything is increasing the height in here because their, their academic schedule is so rigorous that they're even busy. <laughs> essentially, yeah, but they're busy. Um, they're all, some of them, you have half the team graduating in three years. <laughs> so <laughs> Mental uh, stress, physical stress. Mental stress oh, and physical lack stress. Lack of sleep. Exactly, exactly. A lot of them taking more caffeine later at night. So trying to counteract that ensuring that they try to get into their sleep hygiene and kind of their deep sleep phases as much as possible. Um, and, and, and it's hard, but in the is season, that's what I want to address first. The days leading up to the game, yep. how much you need to consume, what is their schedule, their academic schedule? What do you need to have in between class, during class? Because you don't have time to eat a full meal in a sense of maybe during that lunchtime or before practice starts or something because you're wanting to get that extra sleep. You're not waking up until 10 minutes before class to walk into class in the morning time. So what can we provide you to make sure that's quick, easy, and sufficient to make sure that you're still staying on target and on your goals to make sure your body and your mind is adequately fueled and recovered. It's amazing how even at the highest level, that's still you know, an, an issue or an area of concern, whether it's in the NBA or the NFL, this idea of like, again, just being human, people wake up a little bit late and then roll into training. And so having, yeah, being able to figure out a way of how do we get this smoothie in with the protein, et cetera, or a meal that will go down quickly so that they can digest it and actually train. Cause it is yeah. st startling how many elite high-end athletes will consume very little, um, which one-off isn't the end of the world, but these things become patterns, don't they? And, and so over the course of a season, you know, that starts to add up. And if we shift gears now to, towards the end of your season, what are some yeah. of the things, I mean, obviously fatigue accumulates, if athletes aren't sleeping as well, that accumulates, but is it more just a general fatigue? Is it the injuries that pile up? Um, you know, walk us through some of the things that are top of mind there. 
man, you have, you hit it, you hit it right on the head. <laughs> so you have both of those you have to consider. Um, you have the general fatigue from the mental accumulation from the academic schedule and also the physical fatigue as well too, from that long duration, long schedule. Um, and especially at this level here, the, the competition is, is not something that is small or minute or an easy rollover, it's not. And then as you get towards the latter end of the season, that's when your biggest competition comes into effect and their 100%. biggest teams that you have to compete against. Um, those are, those are basically those, those games that are a make or break situation once October hits. <laughs> 100. So, um, and you're, you're, you're taking that consideration. So the nutrition needs, you're trying to accommodate for that and adjust for that, throwing a sprinkle in a little bit of, of feel good meals of things that they enjoy. Yeah. Helps with the energy you know? intake. It's fun. They enjoy it. You know, it's nice to know that it's not bad. You know, people always have this good versus bad, but I mean, exactly, you know? exactly. It's, it's all, it's all about utilizing it for the best case scenario for the situation at hand and for the culture that you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, and then after that, now it's just about by this time we're planning for making into the postseason. Um, rather that be as far as for bowl games and rather that be as far as for playoffs. Best case scenario, right? Bowl games. Best case <laughs> scenario in the bowl games. And, and then we're always planning to, to, to keep going and to play into a national championship. So that's what we're trying to plan for. And now it's about okay, giving them basically whatever time that we can give them to take that break to, you know, to allow their bodies to, you know, adjust, adapt, relax, breathe a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I just got done with the hardest finals that they're going to have. <laughs> and then <laughs> on top of that, you know, trying to allow their bodies and their minds to adjust. So now that we can get back into basically training and phasing into ready to win a national championship and then giving their bodies with their needs. Cause now they're, since their schedules are a little bit more flex, then we can control and manipulate a lot more what, what we need to give them in order to make sure that they're getting what they need and that they're able to have those foods available. And I can be a little bit more hands-on and present at that time yeah. too, since we're all in the same room a lot more than compared to the end season. hundred percent. And that's great stuff, Matt. And if we, if we shift gears here a little bit and maybe talk about some of your work that you did, you know, through your, your PhD and talk about, you know, protecting the brain and head trauma and concussion, which is, you know, a reality in any contact sport, whether it's ice hockey, um, you know, soccer, even obviously football. Um, could you walk us through, you know, maybe some of the, the rates that we're seeing in, in college football and then some of the work yep. that you did uh, doing your PhD? Yep. And, and then you, as it's no secret, the rates as far as the concussions and it, and it could be, and this is arguably, it could be that we are just taking consideration and adjusting and addressing them more yeah. um, because of the awareness or it could be that, you know, just depending on how we are, um, the amounts of contacts or whatever it may be, whatever the argument may be. Um, so in, in my sense, I'm trying to basically, one, my biggest thing was making sure that we're a part of that communication and that return to play process. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I mean by we, I mean by us as a nutritionist and a dietitian. So we can intervene with the calories that they need and manipulate their dietary intake to counteract that lack of appetite that they may that they may experience or that lack of sleep or whatever it may be that or that nausea that vomiting whatever it may be as far as a part of symptomology within that situation and we can help them address and meet what they need to kind of assist with that recovery process we're a part of that communication we're implemented in the early stages. We're implemented throughout the duration of the return to play protocol. We're implemented in the latter stages, even after they've been cleared to play to ensure that they are staying recovered and there's no delayed symptoms at all or post-concussive syndrome or anything like that whatsoever. So with my work, it was more so of being a part of that sports medicine team and staff and making sure that within our protocols and our communication, our intervention is implemented beginning, during, and after. That's, that's amazing. And it's amazing how much things have changed, right? I mean, tw 20 years ago, there were, there were no protocols, right? I mean, tell me a little bit about right. how it was for when you played to see how it is today. And, and, you know, that just dramatic shift, right? I was shaking stuff off. When I played, I was just quote unquote, shaking it off, yeah. um, get, get, getting away with <laughs> you. You can potentially, honestly, I feel like it, it, and it gotten, it has gotten better for where there was a, probably a fear of, you could say that if you're experiencing concussion, you don't want it to impact your playing time. 
Yeah. You don't because it impacts you having that ability to play that exposure and, and play the game that you love from from not um, being clear to play. So there, there's probably some that as far as self concussions or rare concussions that I and everyone is everyone experiences their symptoms are all it's completely different. Yeah. So to where some of the symptoms maybe that I had, it was just I thought it was just a, a, another old day, like I had to shake it off. Sleep was messed up, but it is what it is. Get I'll back come to in it. tomorrow, get back to it. Um, to where now we're not letting those symptoms slide by any means or as much as possible. Anything yeah, it's amazing how we can fine tune and be able to appreciate yeah. what some of these little lights in the dashboard are telling us to be able to then say, okay, this athlete's actually okay, or versus this athlete needs more uh, support with that. And you know, with with your work around nutrition, I mean, what are some of the things that come up potentially to be able to help, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, protect the brain to some of the contact that you're going to experience in a sport like football? Yep, and and that's is again if if you go back into what we talked about, basically the our our females compared to our males. What I'm doing with compared with my basketball compared to our football. Now, granted, and and you have some arguments within the gender discrepancies as far as like females are more prevalent to experiencing a, con a concussion mm -hmm. in that sense. But now, since I'm having more of a, of an impact related sport, that they're having more impact exposures day to day. It's more so that I'm trying to give them at least that 2,000 milligrams or two grams of DHA at the minimum. They yeah. Changing their dietary intake for those omega-3 sources, changing their dietary intake of more antioxidants, more minerals as well, um, more things that will help with the hydration needs too, uh, more vitamin D, more calcium, more magnesium, more potassium. Um, more so talk, having those conversations with them because now we're all on the same page that Creatine is not a demonized supplement. Creatine is nothing but yeah. an official supplement. It's amazing how long it's taken, it and we're still not totally there yet. But uh. right, right, I can't give it to you. But if you're going to take it, one, this are the type of supplements you need to be aware of. These are the ones you make sure they don't have that you're limiting your risk of banned substances and those exposures to that. And then also that you're taking it based upon your lean muscle mass that we have addressed and assessed in the beginning of basically the season. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, obviously it's such an important topic and then uh, a topic that's in the news and highlighted a lot more now, which is, which is fantastic, but, but also even just in terms of mental health, because we can see, you know, if we kind of dovetail here into the rest of mental health, which is just sort of the anxieties and the pressures and the things of playing, which, you know, obviously head trauma can exacerbate, you know, yep. you guys are you know, Notre Dame football, man. That's pretty big. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. You know, how do you, with your experience with athletes, I mean, obviously they're geared up to compete, but uh, we know these things happen. And so, you know, whether it's from your experiences or, or things you guys try to do now to help to support athletes, can you touch on that a little bit? Yep. Yep. So again, for, for my uh, situation, um, I've changed all their menus to make sure that we're increasing their, their fish intake, increasing their, um, their nuts and seed intake as well alongside with during their training table sessions or the sessions that we have those meals um, after they have their competition, giving them as far as what they need supplement wise. Since I can give them fish oil based upon what their weight and their frame is and position that they have and how many snap counts that they had too. And I mean, my snap counts is how many snaps that they're taking. So how many exposures to uh, physical contact it's, that they're yeah. having to, yep. How many hits that they're being exposed to. It's going to be as far as that, that will subjectively give me kind of, okay, how many grams of fish oil do I need to give them? Um, how many to meet their DHA needs as well for the, for the situation. Um, and then also at that supplement time during those meals, after they have eight, giving them a probiotic, DHA, magnesium, uh, and vitamin D based upon whatever their needs are at that situation. Um, everyone is having, you can quote unquote, say blanket of that throughout the team. And I'm able to do that. And I'm lucky to be able to do that. And I can control that. Um, and I'm able to control and work with our dining team to ensure that we have the right foods that we need, exposures yeah. at all time to be able to do that, to make sure that they're having that stuff four to five times out the week, alongside with two extra protein choices in case they don't want that. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, how key that relationship to the, to the chef or to the um, kitchen staff is to be able to, to create the, the meals that, that 
athletes will enjoy and, and want to eat and that type of thing. And listen, I mean, I could pick your brain here all day. I know you're tight. I know you're tight for time. So I want to, I want <laughs> to finish you, off here by circling back to just, uh, I know obviously you got kids at home, yeah. uh, young kids at home. So I'm just curious how, and I know obviously kids change how we view the world and how we communicate and all yeah. these types of things. So I'm curious how, how has it changed your coaching or how you, you know, with your athletes, your interactions, you know, what are some of the, how has that impacted you? Oh man. So it, it's impacted a lot. It's impacted a way of how I communicate. It's impacted a way of how I, my, my tolerance as well. And to be able to, <laughs> and, well said. And, to be, and to be patient, I feel like tolerance and patience have been, has been the biggest adjustment. Um, you can easily say that, you know, we're coming in here, like it's either you do what I say or it is what it is. Yeah. Um, my way or the highway. So, right. And in a sense of that's that's not there's always a gray area. There's always things that you're not realizing that those individuals are dealing with. There's always things that um, that you have to be mindful of. You got to be patient with them while also having a stern hand at the same time of and you you got to you have to find a way of what's your best way to coach that individual to leaning towards a way that's is it's important to them while also executing why and understanding the why they need to execute what you're trying to coach and educate them on. So I feel like having my kids and having the family has been able to give me that patience and tolerance to be able to discuss these things with them and to give them some sort of empathy at the same time, while also not only giving them empathy, but giving them a little bit of a structure of a, all right, look, I understand that we've been dealing with this for quite some time, but if you do not do this, this can potentially happen. So we have to, you have to change your circumstance. You have to change what you're doing or else you're going to continue to having or potentially have an injury or you're going to continue to address and continue to experience these situations of not feeling good for your workouts, for practice, not recovering, not sleeping, all these things. Really well said, man. I mean, that's it, isn't it? Trying to understand things from their point of view. I mean, it's such a and then and kids and young kids definitely do that patience, man. Well done with that. Uh, listen, again, I know you're pressed for time. I appreciate you uh, carving out some time today, man. Where if people want to stay connected with you, where's the best place for them to do that? Absolutely. So, and, and obviously we're getting towards the time of uh, season. So my social media game will not be up, up to par. <laughs> um, so Sorry. I would say, but all we'll my just tweet at you. Saying, yeah, just tweet at me, DM me, and I'll get to you when I can. I apologize. Uh, so my... My Twitter and my Instagram is Superior Freaks. Um, you can contact me there, follow me there as well. Uh, from time to time, I, I post different um, articles or different things and share different resources, especially from people like you, Dr. Bubs. Um, and then also my LinkedIn is um, is, is my name, uh, Matthew R. Freaks or Matthew Freaks. And Freaks is spelled like breaks, which you replace it with an F instead of a B. <laughs> nice awesome man listen best of luck this season with notre dame we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it and uh keep in touch and uh, yeah man best of luck thanks brother i appreciate you man thank you for listening to the performance nutrition podcast for the full video interview as well as key clips from this episode check out our youtube channel performance nutrition podcast also quick reminder the football performance nutrition course is enrolling students this fall for our 2021 fall group you can save $50 off the price of the course with the code FPN50 head over to drbubs.com forward slash athletes or athleteevolution.org to book your spot and learn from the best in the field finally if you enjoyed the podcast please rate review and subscribe all that good stuff it's a massive help for the show until next time take care the Dr. Bubbs Performance Podcast endeavors to provide accurate and helpful information to listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Dr. Bubbs Performance Podcasts.